Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Industry Standard. Appreciate you hanging in there and listening to our show during this crazy quarantined coronavirus times. Boy, when Howie Mandel gave me the fist pump the first time, I looked at him a little bit differently than I look at other people. Now, I don't look at him that way at all. I say, he knew this was coming. So all you people who are purportedly what they call a negative connotations, germaphobes, I tell you right now, I have the utmost respect for what you were trying to do. And this is a crazy time, and if you get a chance, you should take a look at Barack Obama's speech in 2014 when he was trying to get aid for the country and was having a lot of trouble with that and predicted what's happening today for our country and that we wouldn't be prepared. And hopefully we've caught up a little bit. There's been so much tragedy. If you have somebody you know or a loved one that's been affected or been taken by this awful, awful pandemic, my heart goes out to you, truly. And I want to thank all of you for listening to the show. I appreciate it. Your support is incredible, even during this time. If you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz on Twitter, Instagram, or you can catch me on barrycats.com. I hope you've been enjoying these podcasts on the JFK assassination six-part series. I love it. It's not my lane. I have no dog in this fight. I'm a comedy guy, but these conversations just completely fascinate me, and I'm blown away by them. And if you've been listening to the last three with Jim Mars, Gordon Ferry, and Zach Shelton, you know what I'm talking about. And you're about to hear one of the most amazing people I've ever met, Judith Barry Baker, who is Lee Harvey Oswald's mistress in 1963. 
So without further ado, Judith Very Baker. Hey everybody, before I get started with part two of Judith Very Baker, I want to talk to you about an amazing documentary that I worked on a few years back called I Killed JFK, which was unlike anything I ever did in my life. It's centered on a man who'd been in prison for 30 years, who's the only person in history to have admitted to killing Kennedy, and his story is unbelievable. He started as a runner for the mob. He was hired to drive two hitmen from that city around Dallas, and he ended up being the guy who calibrated their weapons. And he was there that day with one of his own and took the fatal shot that killed John F. Kennedy on the grassy knoll. His story, the footage, the interviews, never been seen before. You can't find them anywhere else except on this documentary. So go to barrycats.com to the merch page and buy the documentary with the rare interviews of the five greatest historical experts in the world, many of which you'll hear on the next three weeks of podcasts. So just go to barrycats.com, the merch page, pick up the documentary and interviews, and I guarantee it will reverse the way you feel about what happened that day in 1963 and change your opinion of the government and how it works and alter the way you think about things forever. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. It was a dark day in Dallas, November 63. A day that would live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a right line Good day to be living and a good day to die He led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb He said, wait a minute, boys, you know who I am? Of course we do, we know who you are Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car Shot down like a dog in broad daylight Was a matter of timing and the timing was right You got unpaid debts We've come to collect We're gonna kill you with hatred Without any respect We'll mock you and shock you And we'll put it in your face We've already got someone here to take your place The day they blew out the brains of the king Thousands were watching, no one saw a thing It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise Right there in front of everyone's eyes Greatest magic trick ever under the sun Perfectly executed, skillfully done Wolfman, oh Wolfman, oh Wolfman, how 
Rub-a-dub-dub, it's a murder most foul. So let's say a week before the assassination, where are you both and what's happening? Well, he was in Dallas. He was ordered back to Dallas. How many days before the assassination? Well, he was ordered back around October 6th. He re, uh, fifth or sixth, he returns. He goes to the YWCA first and is debriefed there. And at that time, uh, he's told that Hurricane Flora is the reason that they called this off. Now, whole, the whole idea is if we could have killed Castro, we believed that this would save Kennedy's life. We had enough information to know that the same people who knew, well, we call it Murder Incorporated, you can call it that, that's what Nixon would, wanted to call it, had everything put together so they could kill Castro, but they could use it against anybody. And uh, we know that in Chicago, for example, Lee told me on the phone, I believe I saved Kennedy's life three weeks ago. And, and he explained. Now, when I mentioned this back in 1999, people just laughed me out. They said, come on, we can believe that Lee was, you know, a patsy, but come on, don't tell us that he saved Kennedy's life or that he thought he did. Uh, three weeks before. We now have Abraham Bolden, Secret Service. We have James Douglas in, it's called JFK and the Unspeakable, the wonderful book. And in there you find out that a man named Lee informed the FBI and they had, it, it resulted in the arrest of armed gunmen and Kennedy's trip to Chicago was called off. Now, there are many more things I could tell you. We don't have time for them all. But Lee was telling me these things because he said this, I need to tell you this because I think they're going to kill me. I've gotten in too deep. I'm under suspicion because I saved Kennedy, you know, earlier. He said, I, I don't think I'm going to get out of this alive. He said, will you do this for me? All I ask you is tell me you just have to stay alive and stay, stay down and everything like that. Tell my children, tell my little girls that I was a good guy. That's all I ask of you. How can I turn that down? I had to stay quiet. I love him with all my heart. <laughs> so I've killed on television. You'll never know what that's like to live with that kind of thing. blame him. It's the most ironic thing in the world. You ought to see. They've got film. They've got film where they, they show him being told that he's been charged with the murder of Kennedy. You ought to see his face. You can see it right on YouTube. This is not a man who was seeking glory for himself. He said, I'm a patsy, for heaven's sakes. Here's the thing, he could not say, I'm CIA. Do you know why? Do you have a guess why? Because he had been an operative, he'd been working for the CIA, and he told me all about the things he did, and I've got a lot of that information too. He was an agent for the US government, as, and he was borrowed from the Office of Naval Intelligence. He had been specially trained, so he could, he could not be brainwashed. He was trained to uh, not crack under interrogation. That's why they couldn't crack him over there in Dallas. He was trained to be a really good spy. And you know something? He had contacts over there. If he'd said, I'm CIA, they would have executed 
everybody he had contacted had any significance. That's what the USSR would do. They knew he would never betray his contacts in, in the USSR. They knew he wouldn't. So he, they had him over a barrel. So before the day of the assassination, actually the last time you spoke with him was about a few days beforehand. It was 37 and a half hours before the assassination. Tell our audience what that conversation was like and how long was it? It was about an hour and a half long. I've never told all of it because it kills me to talk about it. But I've, I can tell you one thing. Lee Oswald just wanted me to have babies. He said, please have babies for me. So I had five. It was not easy for me because the doctor said I couldn't even have any. I had, I had four miscarriages to get those five babies. Why it's do you think he said, I, please have babies for me? Because we had planned to have a man. <laughs> we planned to have lots and lots of kids. It's something, he loved life. I did too. Now, wasn't he married at the time and had his own kids? Well, he had two, and that's why I said, but the, you have to understand about our marriages. First, as I said, my former husband married me, and then he abandoned me the next night. He was gone. He was gone for three weeks before he came back. He kept that pattern up. He just didn't care. All right, but Lee, on his side of things, he's in the USSR. He's going to be deported unless he gets married to somebody. So he finds someone who's interested, and she gets herself pregnant. He's not going to leave her behind. He's not going to leave his little girl behind. He actually gets out. Now, he has. they had funds for him to get out and get back to the U.S., but not for a wife, a Russian wife and child. So he has to go to the embassy. They give him a State Department loan. In small print, it says only citizens of good standing can get this loan. And with that loan of over $400, which is like 4000 today, he was able to bring his wife and child out of the Soviet Union with him. Okay, so they're back in the United States. He's married. He has two children. He'd hardly ever, he was having a terrible time with her. Uh, they weren't getting along. He, a, a large portion of that time, he wasn't living with her at all. By the time we're talking about the last few weeks, I mean, when he comes back from Mexico City, he's not living with her at all. She's living with the pains. And uh, yes, he visits them on weekends. He wants to see his new baby girl, Rachel, and all that, born two days after his birthday on the 18th of October. It was his birthday. At that time on the 18th, okay, which was a Friday, he says, he starts crying. And they don't know why he's crying for this little cake, the little birthday cake. But he told me this is the last birthday I'm ever going to have. He had already given a lot of information a lot of information about what was being planned, as he saw it in Dallas, in Dealey Plaza. All right, so take us through that conversation you had with him for an hour and a half. Tell our audience something that nobody knows. That nobody knows? Well, I've said a lot of things since then. So, for example, that it's called the big event, and uh, that's, you know, now everybody's using that term, but they didn't do it. They didn't do it till Hunt came out with it. And then people noticed, oh, I had said it so often in the uh, documentary called The Love Affair that History Channel ran, and then they banned it after five times of being shown. Uh, I'd said it so often it actually got on the film, even though they'd done 28 hours of filming and it only went down to 42 minutes, it still got in the film. I used it so often. I'm just saying that Lee shared things with me because he wanted his little girls someday to know that he was a good guy. That's the bottom line. But the others, I kept all this material because I thought it was history that we might kill Castro. Turned out it's helping to exonerate 
the innocent Lee Harvey Oswald. Hush, little children, you'll understand. The Beatles are coming, they're gonna hold your hand. Slide down the banister, go get your coat. Ferry across the mercy and go for the throw. There's three bumps coming all dressed in rags. Pick up the pieces and over the flags. I'm going to Woodstock, it's the Aquarian age. Then I'll go over to Altamont and sit near the stage. Put your head out the window, let the good times roll. There's a party going on behind the grassy knoll. Stack up the bricks, pour the cement. Don't say Dallas don't love you, Mr. President. Put your foot in the tank and let's step on the gas. Try to make it to the triple underpass. Black face singer, white face clown. Better not show your faces after the sun goes down. I'm in the red light district, like a cop on the beat. Living in a nightmare on Elm Street. When you're down on New Bellum, put your money in your shoe. Don't ask what your country can do for you. Cash on the ballad, money to burn. Dealey Plaza, make a left hand turn. Going down to the crossroads, gonna flying a ride. The place where faith, hope, and charity died. Shoot him while he runs, boy. Shoot him while you can. See if you can shoot the invisible man. Goodbye, Charlie. Goodbye, Uncle Sam. Frankly, Miss Scarlet, I don't give a damn. What is the truth? Where did it go? Ask Oswald and Ruby Leon, I know. Shut your mouth, say the last old owl. Business is business, and it's a murder most found. So tell us about the real Lee Harvey Oswald that you knew that he showed you. Well, let me, for example, I at the time was an atheist, and one of the things we did at near the end there, he was an agnostic. He asked me to pray the Lord's Prayer with him. He had been raised a Lutheran. You'll see that there's a document out there for his tourist visa application, and that document's very interesting. I'm going to go into this little detail because it'll show you about Lee Oswald and his sense of humor and so on. But on that that document, uh, it says that he's Catholic, 
he did that so we could marry because I had documents saying I was Catholic. We wanted to be married by a Catholic priest in Mexico so it wouldn't be on a civil record anywhere. Now, here's what's very interesting. Lee Oswald got his new passport. His old one was covered with stamps from the USSR. You can't use that very well for ID, and he avoided having a driver's license. He knew how to drive, but his license had been flagged that he was a communist over in Texas, so he, he didn't want to use it. They would find that license at one point, and then it would vanish. But we have witnesses about that. Now, here's what's interesting. He makes out his application, and one of the things he said is, I want you to see just, uh, you know, who I am. He wanted to prove this to me, and for very good reason. We were working. I mean, what if he were lying to me or something like that? So it was important to Lee. This is uh, June 24th, June 25th. Uh, we had, were becoming lovers. He wanted me to see who he really was. He did this two or three times. And it was important because we started sharing so much with each other. So what he did is he showed me uh, his passport, and it was he'd gotten it in 24 hours. Now, they had brought in a few others. I met the man, shook his hand. His name is Charles Thomas. He, pretended, he wrote down that he was Arthur Young on the passport application. Now, just to show you the kind of sense of humor Lee had and who he was, he filled out that he was actually going to go to, the, to uh, the USSR in Cuba on that on that application form, and they still passed it in 24 hours. They knew because his old passport, he had to turn it in. They saw all the stuff on there that he had been in USSR. They still did this in 24 hours. But here's the clincher, and nobody in all these 40 years here's something nobody knew. I say 40, 50 years. All these researchers, they're looking at these things, but they didn't know something I did about that application form. I said, finally, I, told, I did last month, or two months ago, actually, finally posted, did you know this about Lee Harvey Oswald? That he said he married Marina, his Russian wife, on April 31st, 1961. Now, does that resonate with you? Yes. There is no April 31st. They still made that passport good in 24 hours. Do you understand? He's got this sense of humor, and he, he, he actually put a date there that didn't exist for when he married his wife. And you have the, all these little clues and hints that he, he puts out there. Like he said, there was this short and sweet hearing, you know, when they charged him with two murders, and they claimed that he turned down the offer of uh, attorneys or any kind of any kind of uh, help for him. Now you know when he was standing out there in public, he said, "Well, and, well, is there anybody who'll come forward and stand forward and and uh, you know represent me, legal representation?" He was denied legal representation, and they actually told reporters he turned them down. Do you know anybody in the whole world who would turn down help from an attorney when you're uh, charged with two murders, one of them being the president of the United States and the other a, a police officer, for heaven's sakes. They did terrible things to him. I'm trained medically. I have shown people what they did to this man in private. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience 
after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Tommy, can you hear me? I'm the Acid Queen. I'm riding in a long Balanca Lincoln limousine. Riding in the back seat next to my wife. Heading straight on into the afterlife. I'm leaning to the left, got my head on the left. Oh Lord, I've been led into some kind of a trap. Well, we ask no quarter, no quarter do we give. We're right down the street, from the street where you live. They mutilated his body and they took out his brain. What more could they do? They piled on the pain. But his soul was not there where it was supposed to be at. For the last 50 years, they've been searching for that. Freedom, oh freedom, freedom over me. I hate to tell you, mister, but only dead men are free. Send me some love, tell me no lies. the gun in the gutter and walk on by Wake up little Susie, let's go for a drive Cross the Trinity River, let's keep hope alive Turn the radio on, don't touch the dials Parkland Hospital, only six more miles you got me dizzy, Miss Lizzie. You fill me with lead. That magic bullet of yours has gone on my head. I'm just a Patsy like Patsy Klein. Never shot anyone from in front or behind. Got blood in my eye, got blood in my ear. I'm never gonna make it to the new frontier. Zubitus film I've seen that before. Seen it 33 times, maybe more. It's vile and deceitful, it's cruel and it's mean. Ugliest thing that you ever have seen. Killed him once and he killed him twice 
Kill him like a human sacrifice The day that they killed him Someone said to me, son The age of the Antichrist Has just only begun Air Force One coming in through the gate Johnson sworn in at 2.38 Let me know when you decide to throw in the towel It is what it is And it's murder most foul You know, in 50 years There's the physical evidence of the Zabruder film obviously, but there doesn't seem to be any paper trail at all about anything that happened, yet there seems to be so many factions that were involved from the CIA to the president to the Chicago mob to maybe even Cuba. Some people say the Russians. Why do you think it is that there is just no, not one document, maybe it'll be released later this year, What's your thought about that? Even with your relationship with Lee, yes, there's people that saw you. Yes, there's people who said that you guys were together. It's obvious. No one's disputing that you weren't together. But there's nothing to talk about the assassination. There's nothing that you can read that was a memo from this guy to this guy. Yeah, it's going down. The big event is going down here. This is where you're going. This is what's happening. Nothing. How do you figure that is? Well, we have a book coming out in August. It's called Kennedy and Oswald, The Big Picture. And in there, we do have documents. We have assembled documents. They exist. The trouble is when you have 26 volumes, okay, for the Warren Commission, and in there you find that they're talking about Jack Ruby's mother's teeth, and they have all kinds of, all kinds of, of interviews of the FBI with people who say, no, I didn't know Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, page after page. Then all, you have to look and you'll find a lot of this is buried right in there. For example, I'm just going to give you an example of how they pretended that they showed how Lee Oswald could shoot from the Texas School Book Depository Building. They construct a tower. We have the, it's right in, right in the 26 volumes, shows a tower. It's 30 feet lower, 30 feet lower than the window from which they say Lee Oswald shot. This tower is set, is set right smack in the middle of the street, 30 feet lower, and they have sharpshooters who are shooting at a stationary car trying to hit that target, and they are not very successful. But they, some of them do. And that said, that's what they use to prove that Lee Oswald actually shot from the Texas School Book Depository window and made his shot. And uh, it's just absurd when anyone who has any brains, if they go into the so-called documents, they're going to find so many ridiculous uh, assertions. For example, they have, they take everything Marina Oswald says seriously. This woman has later said she was threatened with deportation if she was deported since Rachel, her youngest her little girl, was born in U.S. She would have been deported. The little girl would have been left behind. He's dead. Now, you think she's going to cooperate with them? She did. So she tells them that Richard Nixon was in town and her husband, Lee Oswald, had decided he's going to go out and shoot 
Nixon. She says she kept him, locked him in the bathroom so he couldn't, until it was pointed out that, uh, at least in America, bathrooms don't lock from the outside. Then she said she held him three or four minutes inside. Another version is that she kept him in there all day, and he couldn't do nothing but read until he decided he wasn't going to go kill Nixon. Then they found that Nixon was never in town. So the Warren Commission itself said, wait, we can't even use this woman for this, but we'll use it for all the other things she said, such as she said that he had a rifle. At first he said he didn't. Now we have, I want to tell you right now, I, he kind of showed off to me in a way. I know the firearms he had. He didn't have anything like what they show. First of all, he was a Marine. And if you think a Marine is going to go and uh, order something, uh, without even testing it or trying it out first, when he could go around the corner and buy any kind of rifle he wanted and use any kind of excuse he wanted. No, we have to have a paper trail. And the paper trail, by the way, I know his handwriting perfectly. His handwriting on the first, uh, for the rifle, is different from the handwriting that's for the gun. For the gun, it's in block letters, and, it, and for the uh, one for the rifle, it's in cursive. If, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I don't change my handwriting between two different orders that I might write there. So who framed Lee Harvey Oswald? Well, the CIA and the FBI, for very good reason. You've got Alan Dulles, who was fired by JFK, but he was still running things on the side. He'd been there for years, this man. Alan Dulles hates, just hates the idea that he's no longer in charge. At his side is General Charles Cavill. General Charles Cavill, he stands for the military. You've got others in the military that were very angry at Kennedy because he didn't go in there and bomb Havana. We now know that if we'd bombed Havana, we would have had nuclear war. I mean, Kennedy saved our skins, and he's given no credit. I saw that the Smithsonian Institute recently put that the only thing that Kennedy really had going for him was his good looks and charm. He didn't really do anything. That's how they are destroying Kennedy again. It's a second assassination. This of his character. Let's just talk about uh, womanizing and uh, drugs. Let's not talk about the fact that History Channel said that he helped build a raft, for example, a DT-109, and helped get everybody to shore when exactly he actually pulled a, a, a prisoner, I, I mean a, a, a victim, you know, of the uh, PT-109, the crash they had, with his teeth all the way. The man was on his back. Uh, no, they don't tell you these things anymore. You won't hear about the good things about Kennedy. We have Charles Cavill, General Charles Cavill, CIA, head of the Bay of Pigs stuff. He gets, he's forced to resign. He's fired, basically. It is a disaster for his family. Now, who was running the police? department for years and then became mayor of Dallas. The mayor of Dallas at the time that Lee Oswald was there and the time that Kennedy went through there, mayor of Dallas is Charles Cavill's brother, Earl Cavill. Now that's, that's just one of many, many things we could talk about. Basically, we have everybody cooperating to get rid of Kennedy for various reasons. And they worked together because they could. And because there were so many of them, you understand this. Hoover was, in two years, Hoover would have been forced to resign because he turned 70. They just couldn't wait till they could do that. Well, LBJ commuted that. You have, uh, instead of being forced to resign at, at age 70, Hoover 
is made director for life. That is his reward. As for Lyndon Johnson, we have, and Lee told me these words in his last conversation. He said, whatever you do, don't forget these three names. One, David Atlee Phillips. When I first brought out David Atlee Phillips, that he was actually um, involved in the Kennedy assassination, he was a, a very important person in the CIA. Uh, it, it was hard for people to believe. And uh, Lee also told me that he had actually met with Antonio Vesiana of Alpha 66 and with David Atlee Phillips. At the time, he knew him only as Bishop. Well, you know what? Just a couple of weeks ago, my friends, a new book has come out called Train to Kill by Antonio Vesiana, who, after he testified to the HSCA about Mr. Bishop and meeting Mr. Bishop and Lee Oswald, okay, Mr. Bishop being CIA, that he, Lee Oswald, and Mr. Bishop met, he was shot in the head. He was shot in the, in, in, in the abdomen. He survived. He finally came out and privately told people that, yes, this man was David Atlee Phillips. And that verifies what I said, that Lee told me that that man's name, he had found out that Bishop's name was actually David Atlee Phillips. And David Atlee Phillips, he told me never to forget that name. So I told that in 2003. We have Vesiana coming out and saying it in 2017. Now, on top of that, we have uh, other uh, information. For example, the other two names were Bobby Baker and Billy Celestes. And when I said all this in 2003, it was hard, but now everybody knows that Lyndon Johnson would have ended up in prison almost definitely, certainly would have been kicked off the ticket. The very day Kennedy was shot, we had a congressional hearing going on that showed that Lyndon Johnson had accepted bribes and was involved with the mafia. And instead, he became president. And of course, they closed down that investigation. He had the choice to either become president or to go to jail. Now, which one do you think he chose? And Lee told me that. That's how they did it. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business, I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. What's new, Pussycat? What I say? I said the soul of a nation will turn away. 
And it's beginning to go into a slow decay And then it's 36 hours past Judgment Day Wolfman Jack He's speaking in tongues He's going on and on and on At the top of his lungs Play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack Play it for me in my long Cadillac Play me that only the good die young Take me to the place Tom Dooley was hung They say James Infirmary in the court of King James If you want to remember, you better write down the name Play it at James too. Play it rather go blind. Play it for the man with a telepathic mind. Play John Lee Hooker. Play scratch my back. Play it for that strip club owner named Jack. Guitar slim going down slow. Play it for me and for Marilyn Monroe. Tell us a little bit more about Lee Harvey Oswald's personality that the world doesn't know about. Well, I'll start with, for example, how he loves animals or loved animals. We would be walking along and he, well, he just liked uh, cats and dogs and things like that. And he, if he ran into one he didn't know, he'd say, hello, Mr. Dog, or hello, Mr. Cat. It was really endearing to me. He had a personality that he was actually by nature friendly. You go look at the photographs of him. You'll see him smiling. You'll see his arms around people. People have their arms around him. But what happened is that when he's CIA and he's on a mission, he can't make friends. It can interfere with what he's trying to get done. So that made him look unfriendly. It was all just a pose. That's not the way he really was. So I, I think people need to know that. He wanted to become a writer. He loved science fiction. We had that in common. In fact, one of my books, my third book, is called Letters to the Cyborgs, and it is science fiction I've written. We had a lot in common with each other. And he actually wrote a science fiction story called Her Way that I have included in this uh, collection of science fiction stories I've written that came out uh, just in 2016. Lee Oswald had a, a forceful personality. You, can't, uh, you couldn't call him a pushover or anything like that, but he preferred to be very quiet. He listened, and because he listened and didn't say much, you would be surprised how much uh, he learned. He played the, what he called the part of the Scarlet Pimpernel, I was fascinated by this because he said he had to pretend like he was stupid sometimes. He had to pretend that he was not who he really was. And, you know, when he was telling me that, I saw his jaw tighten because it was humiliating to him sometimes that he had to act stupid. But by acting stupid, people would say things right in front of him and as if he weren't there. I remember one time we're on the bus and we were sitting together and it was so... He did two really silly things. Um, I said, you know, I, I just, you're just so handsome. I'm glad to be sitting next to you. 
And by the way, Jack Ruby is on on uh, record saying he thought that Lee looked like uh, Paul Newman. The camera is not was not kind to Lee's face and all that. And plus, they always ended up choosing photos of him when he was all beaten up or something. And nobody looks good like that. Anyway, we were sitting on the bus and he said, I'm going to show you, he says, what it's like, uh, how I have to act. So he sat down in the back of the bus. We always sat in the back, but he sat in the furthest he could get. And when he did, the first thing he did is sneeze all, all over everybody. So they all moved away. And he had a poem. He said, I sneezed the sneeze into the air. The droplets fell. I know not where, but everyone inside the bus moved over and made room for us. So anyway, he, he, what he was trying to do, and he had a sense of humor, liked to tell lots of jokes. But what he was trying to say is that he could do body language or do other things to make people not like him or not want to be around him or not pay attention to him. That made him a very good infiltrator in that he was like, you know, a fly on the wall. So that, that was one of the things that he did. And there are other times that he was very brave. We were walking through the... We had gone, uh, it's in my book, Me and Lee, how uh, we had gone walking, uh, we had gotten in the Godfather's car. It was not like the limousines that uh, Carlos Marcello had. This one was an old beat up Chevy and it was what he used when he was pretending to be the tomato salesman, you know, a nobody. Anyway, I was all excited. Lee said, now you've got to act silly. So I said things like, oh, I hope I get to put my little bottom down on the, on the uh, upholstery of the godfather's car. Okay, so I'm acting really silly like that, and 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 but I had to sit in Lee's lap. There wasn't enough room, and nobody felt sorry for him. They said. They said. So anyway, we get to uh, where they get out. They were walking along, and they were starting to use dirty jokes and everything. And Lee said, "Look, let's just go off by ourselves. We got the keys to the car. It was wonderful." They uh, said, "You go ahead." Anyway, we walked around and we had chocolate Cokes and that's chocolate syrup in, in, in uh, Coca-Cola, you know, like that. And as we were, it was getting kind of late. So we were starting back toward the car. He was going to drive me back. And by the way, Lee could drive. We have many instances of it, but he pretended he couldn't. That stopped uh, his wife from demanding that they buy a car and other things because Lee had to act like he was a dissatisfied loser. I mean, you can't have a TV and a car and all these nice things and want to go off to Castro's workers' paradise. So he had to, to uh, live a lower class life so that uh, he could uh, look like he really wanted to go to Cuba and so on, because that was the original plan. That changed later. But at this point, we're walking along, and all of a sudden, a sailor jumped out. Oh, to this day. Um, I can see him right in front of me. I mean, the veins in his throat were throbbing back and forth. He was red in the face. He had a knife. He was going to, he said, give me your purse, girlie. He says to him, to Lee, he said, and give me your wallet, he said, or I'm going to cut your face. And Lee real slowly pulls out his wallet. He said, you don't want her purse. That's what he said first. And then he said, you may get my face. He says, you may cut my face, he says, because he he put out this switchblade right out from under this wallet. Now, Lee had been raised in New Orleans and knew how to handle things like this. He said, you may cut my face, he says, but not before I get your balls. 
And that guy turned around and ran, this big sailor. Oh, I felt like, oh. So we jumped in the car and slammed down, you know, you could close the, lock the door, and the hearts are beating like that. And, and, and Lee, I noticed he started shaking. And I said, Lee, you're shaking. He said, yes, he said, I, I, I was afraid. This is just, he says, this is just a normal reaction. He said, it will pass. So that's the kind of person he was. And yes, I kissed him. I kissed him in the car. He saved us, you know, and, and he drove me back and uh, dropped me off. He went back and everybody got in the car and went home. Uh, the whole incident is in my book, Me and Lee. So I hope I've given you a, a glimpse of what he was like. He was a very good man. He joined the Marines when he was only 17, the minute he could turn. And now what they have in Wikipedia, they, they put that Lee Oswald uh, dropped out of high school. And then they put a bunch of stuff in between. Then they say, oh, yeah, and then he joined the Marines. I went on Wikipedia and put in there that Lee got his GED in the Marines. One sentence. In a few minutes, it was re not only removed, but they took my Wikipedia biography. I'm an artist, an author. I've had, been in documentaries. I've written books. Uh, my stuff, my book has been turned into a play, etc. They removed my biography that I'd had there for five years, just like that. So you will not find my name in the Wikipedia biography sections. Not there. How was your personality working in the world of dating and men back then, as opposed to how it is now? All right. When I was in high school, I had lots of boyfriends, and I loved it. I just really loved life anyway. Ended up with five children, so obviously um, something was going on. Um, I remember sitting in the car and everything getting hotter and hotter, and, and then I said things like this. I said, I, I'll tell you, I think I understand what, what you need and what your wants are. I said, let's pray to God and find out if he agrees. Um, that stopped it, you know, because no, they weren't willing to pray to God to find out if it was okay to, to take me to bed. So that's, that's the way I handled that. I, I was also athletic uh, besides all the things. Um, I, I wanted to be a universal genius or whatever. And anyway, I ended up getting medals, for example, volleyball, basketball, despite my shortness. And uh, I ended up with three athletic medals from the University of Florida. And uh, Lee really admired that. I mean, we had planned to climb the heights of Chichen Itza. We planned to, to go through the jungles. And I remember one time Lee put his head up to heaven. And he said, thank you, God, for this woman. Okay, I said, you get the grubs, I will put, fry them in the pan and we'll have oil, but then you can cook uh, armadillo meat in or whatever you want. I said, I'll go for it. Play, please don't let me be misunderstood. Play it for the first lady, she ain't feeling too good. Play Don Henley, play Glenn Fry. Take it to the limit and let it go by. Play it for cow wisdom too. Looking far, far away down Gower Avenue. Play tragedy, play twilight time. Take me back to Tulsa to the scene of the crime. Play another one and another one bites the dust. Play the old rugged cross and in God we trust. Ride the pink horse down that long lonesome road 
Stand there and wait for us until explode. Play mystery train for Mr. Mystery. The man who fell down dead like a rootless tree. Play it for the Reverend, play it for the pastor, play it for the dog that got no master. Play Oscar Peterson, play Stan Getz, play Blue Sky, play Dickie Betts. Play Art Pepper, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker. And all that junk, all that junk, and all that jazz. Play something for the Birdman of Alcatraz. Play Buster Keaton. Play Harry Lloyd. Play Bugsy Siegel. Play Bertie Boy Floyd. Play the numbers. Play the odds. Play cry me a river for the Lord of the Gods. Play number nine, play number six. Play it for Nancy and Stevie Nicks. Play Nat King Cole, play Nature Boy. Play down in the boondocks for Terry Marlowe. Play it happen one night at one night of sin. There's twelve million souls that are listening in. Play merchant of Venice, play merchants of death. Play Stella by Starlight for Lady Macbeth. Don't worry, Mr. President. Help's on the way. Your brothers are coming. There'll be hell to pay. Brothers, what brothers? What's this about hell? Tell 'em we're waiting. Keep coming. We'll get them as well. Love Field is where his plane touched down, but it never did get back up off the ground. It was a hard act to follow, second to none. They killed him on the altar of the rising sun. Play misty for me and that old devil moon. Play anything goes and Memphis in June. Play lonely at the top and lonely at the brave. Play it for Houdini spinning around his way. Play Jelly Roll Morton, play Lucille. Play Deep in a Dream and play Driving Wheel. Play Moonlight Sonata in F sharp. And the key to the highway for the king of the heart. Play marching through Georgia in Dunbarton's drums. Play darkness and death will come when it comes. 
They love me or leave me by the great bird town Play the bloodstained banner, play murder most foul Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I want to talk to you about an amazing documentary that I worked on a few years back called I Killed JFK, which was unlike anything I ever did in my life. It's centered on a man who'd been in prison for 30 years, who's the only person in history to have admitted to killing Kennedy, and his story is unbelievable. He started as a runner for the mob. He was hired to drive two hit men from that city around Dallas, and he ended up being the guy who calibrated their weapons. And he was there that day with one of his own and took the fatal shot that killed John F. Kennedy on the grassy knoll. His story, the footage, the interviews, never been seen before. You can't find them anywhere else except on this documentary. So go to barrycats.com to the merch page and buy the documentary with the rare interviews of the five greatest historical experts in the world, many of which you'll hear on the next three weeks of podcasts. So just go to barrycats.com, the merch page, Pick up the documentary and interviews, and I guarantee it will reverse the way you feel about what happened that day in 1963 and change your opinion of the government and how it works and alter the way you think about things forever. Lastly, I want to talk to you about something really impactful and it involves something really close to my heart, self-education. You see, throughout my life, I realized that every success I've ever achieved in my career has come from the education I received from my experiences in the business. And I truly believe that we all have the knowledge inside of us that others would kill for. And by sharing that, we can open up an entirely new world of possibilities for ourselves. That's why I'm so excited to tell you that I've partnered up with my friend Tony Robbins, who's been number one in this field for 40 years. Along with his team of experts, Dean Graziosi and Russell Brunson, they'll show you how to take that valuable knowledge in your mind and turn it into an incredibly profitable mastermind workshop or event, just like they have and continue to do in their careers. And they're launching a new training program that's literally changing people's lives by helping people like you be a part of this $129 billion a year business. So it's an incredible opportunity for someone like yourself to build your own business, share your knowledge, and help and serve people in a huge way with the guidance of Tony Robbins, the best in the business. He's actually going to teach people like you how to make big money and build a successful business. So if you're ready to take your life to the next level, they're doing a free live training session today at barrykbb.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y-K-B-B.com. Look, I've done over 440 free podcast episodes of Industry Standard, and because of your incredible response, it's reinforced my belief that we're morally obligated to share and pass on our knowledge with the world and help other people in those ways. I truly believe this. 
and I really love this groundbreaking training program and how it can turn your knowledge into an extraordinary amount of money. So just go to barrykbb.com, that's B-A-R-R-Y-K-B-B.com, to this free training session with the best in the business, Tony Robbins. I guarantee you, it will change your life forever. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money Drop that fancy car All the people love you Cause you're going far Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley A fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.